Hey folks, this is Pastor Michael Lance. Welcome to Living Truth Radio. Today in Genesis 34, we're going to deal with some hard subject matter. Dinah, the only daughter of Jacob, is going to be abused in this chapter, and it's going to bring up some hard questions about Jacob's passive response, the violence of the brothers in response to this, and where is God in all of this? That's today on Living Truth Radio, and we're going to deal with some of the application and ask some of those hard questions in the message and deal with it at the end. So stay tuned. We're glad you're here on Living Truth Radio, and a heads up to parents that there's going to be some mature content in this message. Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Genesis 34, verse 5, sometimes we feel defiled by things that have happened to us in the past. Sometimes we feel like we've defiled ourselves by poor choices we've made, and sometimes it's a combination of both. We have been, as Christians, get this. Here's the spiritual picture. When Jesus touched us and we were born again, we were cleansed. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Now I'm clean before Almighty God. I'm unaccusable before the Father. And look, I've made my share of mistakes. There are things that I don't want to come up when I stand before God and praise God they're not going to come up because they were put on Him at the cross. You see, Jesus Christ endured my shame, took my wrath, took my sin at the cross so that I can be clean And I'm unaccusable before the Father because of the work of the Son. I've been cleansed by His blood. God is no longer counting my sins against me, and He's no longer counting yours against you. As far as the east is from the west, so far as He, what? Removed our transgressions from us. That's what it means to be a Christian. You're cleansed. You're clean. But Dinah... When she experienced this moment, she was defiled. Do you know that sexual sin in our culture is just rampant? We all know that. We know the pornography industry. We know what's going on in our world. And let me just say this to you. The devil loves to defile people. He loves for Christians to take two steps forward and three steps back so he can make you feel defiled, right? You're clean before Almighty God, but he wants you to stay stuck. And you know what? In Jesus Christ, you're not defiled. You're clean. But you want to try to live out what you are positionally before God. You want to try to be that practically, and that's what we're all trying to do in what we call sanctification. We're justified In the moment we believe in Christ, his righteousness goes to our account. Our sin was put on him at the cross. But practically, sanctification, we still mess up. We're still like Jacob, right? One moment, we're hanging on to God. I'm not letting go until you bless me. And the next moment, we're lying to our brother. Oh, we'll catch up to you. 
<laughs> this may hit real close to home for some of you. Yeah, I'll be there in a few. Not going. <laughs> Gonna make an excuse. Flat tire. Anyway, there's Dinah. And it's sad what's happened to her. The Bible says that the marriage bed is undefiled. Um, it's hard sometimes for Christians to make this transition because the, the, when you're a Christian and you're trying to, to be pure and then you get married, sometimes it's hard for young couples to make that transition from their light is red, 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 no, 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 to go. <laughs> Bleep, it's green now, okay. So you might wanna, when you do premarital counseling, you might wanna talk about some of those issues, you know. I think it's healthy to do that. The marriage bed, please hear me, is undefiled. God made this up. God wants you to have a healthy relationship with your spouse. And we got so much baggage, folks, in these areas that sometimes it's hard to know how to navigate life. I'm just being real with you tonight, amen? Sometimes it's hard. And so here's Dinah. She's got to be devastated. She's probably a young teenager. The brothers are out in the field. Jacob's heard about it. He stayed silent. I don't know if he's in some sort of silent rage or if he's just you know, kind of being passive, which he seems to be this whole chapter, verse 6. Then Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him. Here comes Hamor. Now the sons of Jacob came in from the field when they heard it. They heard the same thing that had happened, and the men were grieved. I want you to notice that the men mentioned in verse 7 seems to be the brothers, but not Jacob. It's not mentioned that Jacob was grieved. When, when Hamor, the father of Shechem, Shechem's the one that defiled Dinah, comes to him, he's, he's going to negotiate. He's come to dad, one dad to the other dad, to talk about these two kids, quote unquote, getting married. That's, that's what's happened. Shechem's asked Hamor, Dad, I want you to go. I, I want to have this, this gal as my wife. And so he goes to speak to Jacob about these matters. And the sons of Jacob come in the, from the field, and when they heard it, and maybe they walked in on the conversation when uh, Hamor is explaining what's going on with, to Jacob, the men were grieved and they were very angry because he had done a disgraceful thing in Israel, which is interesting because Israel is just a family right now but it says in Israel, by lying with Jacob's daughter, for such a thing ought not to be done. Now on many levels, this was wrong. This was wrong because number one, uh, this, this guy uh, shouldn't have been with her in the first place, but obviously the sexual sin was wrong, the, the, the forced, uh, uh, the rape here was wrong. It was wrong on so many levels. It was disgraceful. And these men were grieved. They were furious. But Hamor spoke of them, saying, The soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him in marriage. Now, wouldn't you think that it would be something like Hamor might say, uh, Hey, listen, I, I've come to apologize. Something, something terrible has happened. Uh, my son has done a horrible thing. He, he has violated your daughter. I'm so sorry. There's no apology here. All there is is, hey, he wants her. 
as his wife. So are we cool? <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. We're not cool. No, Hamor, we're not cool. So notice, he says, man, another way to put this is, my son longs for her. Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him in marriage. And intermarry with us. Uh, give your daughters to us and take our daughters for yourselves. Hey, hey, uh, hey, Hamor's got a great plan. This is an opportunity. This is not a setback. It's an opportunity. I know the kids, you know, they, they did things out of order a little bit. But hey, said Hamor. And if I was one of the, the brothers here, I would say, hey, Hamor, don't say hey anymore. Uh, anyway. Hey, let's strike up a deal. I'll tell you what. This could be beneficial for all of us. Look at verse 10. You'll live with us. The land shall be open before you. And, and, and you can live and trade in it and acquire property in it. Hey, this is wonderful. In fact, I've got a brochure right here about the, the shallows of Shechem. It's this new complex over here that you can all live in. <laughs> wonderful. Yeah, let me see that brochure. See, the enemy has a way of trying to kind of cover it and so we don't deal with it, right? And then, and then offer us uh, attractive little goodies in Shechem so we can just shoulder some more. Hey, there's economic advantage. There's livestock here. There's land. There's property. You've got it all here. This dude is pretty clever because he's kind of distracted the whole conversation away from what's really happened here. So he says, verse uh, 11, Shechem also said to her father and to her brother, so now the whole group is there, if I find favor in your sight, then I will give whatever you say to me. Oh, and by the way, uh, in Shechem we have the, the name, the price for your daughter tool by progressive. So we're a progressive society here. So here's what we do. Just, just name your price, man. Go ahead. See, this is what they would do with the dowry. You had to pay something as the father of the prospective groom to get the hand of the prospective girl. And so he's just basically saying to dad, I tell you what, go ahead. Whatever you say, this is a blank check. Ask me, verse 12, ask me ever so much bridal payment. This is a dowry and gift, and I will give it according as you uh, say to me, but give me the girl in marriage. Just give me the girl, and I'll give you the money. <laughs> wow. Brothers are there. Steam's coming out of their ears. Who knows what's going on with Jacob, right? And this dude's making this offer, and what do you think the brothers are thinking? I just want to slug him in the face right now. I'm going to deck Haymore. <laughs> <laughs> so notice what happens so Jacob's sons answered not Jacob but his sons answered Shechem and uh, his father Hamor with deceit so now here, here's the other thing apparently as the conversation's going on Shechem shows up oh here's my boy now yeah, he, he's the one that's you know I'm talking to you about Dinah can you imagine the brothers they have to be just steaming. So Shechem and, uh, and his father uh, Hamor, verse 13, 
Jacob's sons answered Shechem and his father Hamor with deceit. So here the sons are starting to cook up a little plan, verse 13, and spoke to them because he had defiled Dinah, their sister. So the brothers, they hatched a little plan here. They're being a little deceptive. You might want to underline the word deceit there because that's what they've seen their dad do as recently as his last discussion with Esau. Hey, we'll follow you to Mount Seir. We'll, yeah, bro, go ahead and go. We'll see you in a few. See, when sons watch fathers practice deceit, it becomes pretty easy for them to do the same. And so all of a sudden, they're deceitful. And they said to them, here's the brothers stepping up when Jacob should have been the one talking. They said, we cannot do this thing to give you, to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised. For that would be a disgrace to us. Only on this condition, verse 15, will we consent to you if you will become like us and that every male of you be circumcised. Okay, hey, more. <laughs> i tell you what. We just got one more hey for you. Here's what it is. If all your males will agree to receive the sign of circumcision, then we got a deal. Now, we know they're speaking deceitfully, and this is kind of sad because they're taking the sign of circumcision, which was given to Abram in chapter 17, which was the sign of the Abrahamic covenant. It's something that's supposed to be, uh, you know, uh, uh, religious, spiritual, a sign of the covenant, something sacred, and they're going to use it as a means of deception. So they said, then, 16, we will give our daughters to you and we will take your daughters for ourselves and we will live with you and become one people. Okay, if this is what you want, here's our condition. You said anything, here it is. But if you will not listen to us to be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and go. Now their words seemed reasonable. <laughs> you might want to mark that to Hamor and Shechem, Hamor's son. I think they had kind of a sidebar Hold on a minute. Me and dad are going to talk over here. We'll, we'll be right back. Well, what do you think? Well, circumcision, yeah. <laughs> seems reasonable. <laughs> what do you mean? It seems reasonable. But this kind of gives us an insight that Shechem apparently did have a lot of passion for Dinah. I don't know if he truly loved her, but he certainly was infatuated with her. So they said, uh, Okay, ready, break. Seems reasonable to us. And the young man did not delay to do this thing, verse 19. Boy, he was not playing around. <laughs> uh, not, not delaying is apparently he uh, circumcised himself because he was delighted with Jacob's daughter. Now, he was more respected than all the household of his father. So Hamor and his son Shechem came to the gate. The gate of their city would be the place that Oftentimes, the officials of the city were, were at. They would make decisions at the gate. And they spoke to the men of their city, saying, Hey, boys, gather around. These men are friendly with us, these Jewish guys, the family of Jacob. Therefore, let them live in the land and trade in it, for behold, the land is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters in marriage and give our daughters to them. Oh, there's only one more thing, verse 22. <laughs> There's only one condition. It's, it's, it's fairly minor. It seems reasonable to us. 
Uh, will the men consent to us uh, to live with us to become one people uh, that every male among us be circumcised as they are circumcised? Oh, just one more thing, uh, you know, land, uh, property, uh, livestock, intermarriage, and circumcision, circumcision. <laughs> what? Did you sneeze? Circumcision, yeah. Will not their livestock and their property and all their animals be ours? Hey, you could see maybe maybe there are some faces, you know, on the guys that are like, what, circum who? And so I think they got, they're trying to close the deal here. So it's going hey, hey, listen, will not their livestock and their property, <laughs> check out these brochures, <laughs> and all their animals be ours? Only let us consent to them and they will live with us. So all who went out of the gate of the city, of his city, listened to Hamor and to his son Shechem. Every male was circumcised, all who went out of the gate of his city. Now, I don't know how many, people, how many men this was, but I imagine something like a line at the amusement park <laughs> on one of those slow days. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the parting gift that you get is a pocket knife. <laughs> Can you imagine this? Hey, what's going on over here today? Uh, we're in line for uh, for what? Yeah, the, uh, we made a deal with a Jacob guy, Shechem and. Dinah. <laughs> Crazy. Now, it came about on the third day, verse 25. Told you this is going to be painful. <laughs> when they were in pain, I guess the third day was, uh, you know, kind of the bad day in terms of the, the pain threshold. They were in pain that two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi. Now, Simeon and Levi are Dinah's brothers, and if you recall, Reuben was the oldest born to Leah. And these are, as I recall, number two and number three. Simeon means God hears. Levi, I think, means joined. And so they're Dinah's brothers. And so on the third day, all the men of Shechem are in pain. Now, I don't know if they gave pen medica pain medication with the pocket knife. I'm not sure. You know, <laughs> I don't know if there was Advil back in the day or... I don't think so. But anyway, they were in pain. So two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, each took his sword, came upon the city unawares, and killed every male in the city. And they killed Hamor, 26, and his son Shechem, with the edge of the sword, and took Dinah from Shechem's house. There's where she was. And they went out. They kind of did an ancient snatch and grab with the sword, and the men of the city were in no position to fight, as we know, and so it was, they were easy pickings. And they used the sign of circumcision as a means to set these guys up, and they set them up, and they went in and killed them, and they killed every male in the city. Jacob's sons came upon the slain, looted the city. I don't know if this is the, um, the two mentioned or the rest of the sons now join in, but 
here's ancient Israel. They looted the city because they had defiled their sister. They took their flocks and their herds and their donkeys, that which was in the city and that which was in the field. They captured 29 and looted all their wealth, all their little ones and their wives, even all that was in the houses. They took everything and put those who survived into slavery. And you're like, wow. Now, if you take a step back for a second, you say, now Jacob ended up in Shechem instead of Bethel. Could he have avoided this whole situation if he would have gone to Bethel? You say, well, is it, are we sure that he was supposed to end up in Bethel? It's a it's speculation, but look at chapter 35, look at verse one. Pastor Chris will teach on this next Wednesday, but God said to Jacob after this whole mess had happened, 35.1, arise and go up to Bethel and live there and make an altar there to God. So it does seem like uh, when this is all said and done, God says to Jacob, you need to go. But the sons of, of Jacob take matters into their own hands and they killed these people. And uh, I don't know what Jacob was doing this whole time, but all of a sudden, here's how the chapter ends. Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, 30, verse 30, you have brought trouble on me by making me odious among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And my men, being few in number, they will gather together against me and attack me, and I, and I shall be destroyed, I and my household. Boy, Jacob, have you not overlooked just a few things here? Like, uh, your daughter was defiled by this guy. You were passive. You sat there and did nothing. You let him make this attempt to, at this dowry and quote-unquote making things right. Come on, Dad. It seems like the sons stepped up because maybe they didn't think their dad was going to do anything. And Jacob makes it all about him. You've brought trouble on me. This is a problem for me. But they said, should he treat our sister as a harlot? And the chapter ends. <laughs> and that's why I said to you, Genesis 34 is in the Bible for a reason. What's the reason? Well, I think one of the reasons is it shows you that the Bible is a very real book with very real people who made very real mistakes and blunders. And this is the family of Israel. And it means to, to me that uh, from this line, you know, ultimately the greater Israel is going to be a man named Jesus Christ. He's going to walk in those fallen footsteps of Israel. Where they feel, failed, he's going to succeed. Where they dropped the ball, he's going to hold on to it. And he's going to take upon himself the sin of the world. Would you listen to it? He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are Healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. And that's Isaiah 53, and if, and if the people of Israel 
will embrace their Messiah just like hopefully you have tonight. They will find forgiveness and cleansing through all the garbage of life, whether it was done to you or whether you did something wrong to somebody else. And I realize tonight that you might be on the other side. Maybe you committed a dastardly deed. Maybe you did something wrong in your past. And you often revisit that and you feel defiled. Look, that can be forgiven too. It doesn't mean that you don't wanna try to make amends and do all that you can to make things right. But at some point, even if you are on that side of it and you're the wrongdoer, you're not Dinah, you're Shechem, thank God that he forgives those sins as well. We wanna move on and we wanna leave that stuff in our past. And sometimes the devil brings that stuff up, up again and he says, well, how dare you call yourself a child of God? Look, if it was based upon uh, you know, a perfect past, none of us would be here tonight, amen? <laughs> We've come to the foot of the cross to find healing and a new life in Jesus Christ. How can you reassure or even assure a non-believer, someone who is not familiar with, entirely with the Bible, they know the New Testament aspect, but now here we are in the Old Testament. What is it that you can share with them to assure them that this is what would you say, in the Bible for a reason? I don't like the dichotomy between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the right. New Testament because it's the same God that, <laughs> yesterday well, and today forever. Amen to that. I know but, what you're saying, yeah. though, and I know how people categorize things, Oscar, and I think that it needs to be dealt with. But the same God who was, uh, you know, who shows up in the New Testament and kills Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5 and, you know, deals harshly with Herod in Acts, I think it's 13, is the same God of the Old Testament. But grace, the face of grace is found in Jesus Christ in the New Testament. However, he's showing up in types and shadows in the Old Testament as well. And so this is just life, it's, it's real life. The Old Testament story surrounds itself around the people of Israel, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and even people who are unsuspected in terms of ending up in the family line of Jesus, like yes. uh, Rahab and Ruth yes. um, is amazing. And so ultimately the story is about amazing grace from Genesis to Revelation. And, and that's what I would say, uh, even though there are some texts that are hard to wrestle with, but, but I think it is true to life. This is our world and it is a fallen world. Amen to that. So uh, we just want to encourage you, our listening family. Thank you for uh, joining us on Living Truth Radio. Thank you for going through the Bible with us. And it, it does deal with all these hard questions, Oscar, and we're, we're grateful that our listeners are, are uh, with us on it. And I uh, just want to remind you, folks, this is a listener-supported program. We could use your help uh, with uh, keeping us on the air, paying for airtime. None of us get paid to do this. And also to uh, help us with uh, reaching more people. We want to reach more people. We'd like to reach thousands, millions of more people, just like we've reached you. But we need you to partner with us. Go to livingtruthradio.org, click on the donate button, and you can help us reach more people with this saving message, the truth of God's word and the gospel. Thank you so much. We love you. And we will see you and catch you next time on Living Truth Radio. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. 
Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.